Welcome to another episode of iBuzz, the animal care and welfare podcast by Animal Concepts and the Practical Animal Welfare Science, the PAUSE platform. I'm your host, Sabrina Brando, and today I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Sven Wieskotten, who is the founder and director of consultancy agency Animal and Training. Welcome, Sven. Hello, Sabrina. Thank you for your invitation. Yes, very much looking forward. After several research training seminars and other activities together in animal behavior and welfare and training, I really look forward to chatting with you. And um, we always like to kick off the podcast with a short story, like perhaps an early connection to animals or living with animals. So perhaps you can start with that. Yeah, maybe it's a, a nice story. I'm still remembering when I was introduced to Henry, the very smart harbor seal, um, with whom I did the most of my PhD um, thesis and the studies and the experiments, as well as for my diploma. Uh, he was well known that uh, he's smart and he can learn very fast and uh, um, he's really good in the research training. He was also known that he has sometimes a kind of princess behavior. Uh, so whenever he does not want something, you could do everything, but you did not reach him. And he was well known to, to bite as hell. <laughs> and uh, it was like this, uh, not the first days, not the first weeks, but then um, he started whenever um, you were reaching, um, coming to the facilities, you had no fish with you, um, he was biting, or had your hands in the water, or you were explaining something you were doing to someone else, and he, you weren't 100% with him, uh, he was biting. But over the months and years, he, he got so calm and, and nicely. Um, he's, uh, I think, one of the most calm animals um, in interaction with humans um, that I know. Wonderful, wonderful. And can do you have stories of even further back, like before you started studying your PhD, perhaps a companion animal or when you grew up? Like, did you have always connections with animals or was it more as you studied you know, biology, we're going to hear more about how you got into the yeah. career. But uh, do you have earlier stories of you and animals? So it really starts off with the, with the studies. Um, and in a really, really past, when I was really young, there was, you know, the, the classic thing. You have a, a bird um, kept alone um, and he was really adapted to me. This is something I still remember and where I would say today, oh, no, what, what did you do for that time? Um, but... Um, Animals were already since the first years or some families or in friends that I know. Yes, yes. It's true that, you know, in we've both been in this field of animal care and behavior yeah. and research for a very long time. But and also, of course, also it allows you to look back at like, hmm, you know, those were some of the things we did then or that I did then uh, that you wouldn't yeah. do again today. But uh, that's all part of the learning, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good to see the changes. Absolutely, um, yeah. So when I remember the the, um, the sh- shelters, uh, it was not really a housing for the animals, um, which was so small and without any enrichment, and just to, to to show the animal nothing more, that everybody can see it, the animal has no chance to hide. This changed completely over the years, and it's a, a good thing to see 
And it's also a good thing that you are part of the changes. So. Yes, and we're going to hear more about your work in, in zoos and aquariums, but also with companion animal, with owners or, or friends. However, you know, we all identify with different words for our connections with other animals. But uh, perhaps you could, you know, tell us a little bit more, you know, how you came to study animals and where. Yeah, uh, so my first choice was, uh, indeed, it was not something with animals, it was becoming a pilot. But there were several reasons why I could not do that. Uh, so I, I thought, okay, my, my second big interest um, is biology. And so uh, I started biology in, oh, wait, uh, 97. I'm sorry, a little bit away. And I was really interested. It was really um, nice um, things you could learn. But this was uh, also like that, that in Bochum, where I was studying, um, they teach you a lot of uh, methods. Um, but there was nothing really with big alive animals, at least. And then one day it was Guido Denhardt, um, the founder and um, um, director of Mar the Marine Science Center, which is now located in Rostock, um, who was introduced um, to, uh, um, to the audience in, in Bochum. And uh, he was telling something about um, his research with alive um, harbor seals. Uh, I was really interested uh, together with two friends and we were asking him over weeks that we can do uh, something with him, um, just maybe a little intern or maybe even more sometime, um, later on. And um, it took really weeks because he was more like, uh, no, not yet, not yet uh, maybe not. And after I think it was seven weeks, um, they got three new animals and then uh, we got a call. If we like to and still like to, we can... Uh, uh, join him at the Cologne Zoo, where the animals were kept before, and um, do some research training and um, research with him together. And that was really the, the, the start where I really get into the animal field um, and also um, the field of the animal training. Yes, wonderful. That's actually, I, I want to say you're the first person on all the podcasts who actually didn't have animals like as a, almost a first connection that um yeah. that you know and it's great to hear that right because sometimes yeah we have perhaps a first love or preference or an idea about what we want to do and then for whatever reasons those things you know don't happen and we have other um you know loves and preferences yeah. so and for you that was biology and so that's really really cool to hear and also you know how important it is to have you know ideas of you know, the things that you might like to do in life and also persistence because you had to yeah. do a lot of back and forth and waiting and, uh, but that's, that's very common in our jobs. And so, um, yeah, perhaps you can, you can tell us a little bit about, you know, what I, I've been to the, to the center in Rostock. It's really great, but perhaps yeah. you can tell us a little bit more about it and what exactly, you know, the, the center does and how it operates. Yeah. So the Marine Science Center, where um did my, my diploma and my um, PhD thesis um, is now located in, in Rostock. Um, they keep uh, harbor seals, many harbor seals, um, 12 males, um, then two um, California sea lions and a South African fur seal. And they also keep some, some fish, <laughs> alive fish uh, to train them. And the main idea behind the whole project is um, that um, people, so students are doing their research work and um, uh, people are allowed to go onto the ship. It's like a ship in a, in a harbor and it's surrounded by fences where the animals are kept. 
and they can come onto the ship and see really what, what research is going on and how we work with the animals and um, have really, you know, it's not an ivory tower that they really are into the research and can see how great this could be and how cool this could be for the animals as well. And um, they also can book um, special encounters with the seals or like um, having a really close look to them or swim with them, um, but this most of the weekend. So main part is really research and everybody can look how it's going on there. Okay, so can you tell us more about, because a lot of the facilities, if you like, that are open to the public, they, yeah. you know, might have very, they're not like classical, you know, either a zoo or aquarium or so yeah. on, but, but your facility is quite unique. And even though you do swim, programs you you do focus a lot on the research training and husbandry so perhaps you can talk us to some of those you know what do people what can they experience when they go there content wise yeah. and experience wise yeah so um the main focus um, of the research is uh, our behavioral tests um so we're doing psychophysics we teach the animals to um answer in special ways um for special um, stimuli, which we present them uh, and uh, see by that way um, how accurate they can see, hear, smell, whatever. Um, and this is quite interesting for the, um, for the people, for the guests, um, because we are really interacting with the animals. So the animals are always, uh, let's say they, they hunt in a playful way for the fish because fish is the reinforcement for, for all good behaviors. So also for the good answers um, in the research. And so they really have to um, push themselves a little bit, um, but that keeps them really uh, in a mental and in a physical way healthy. And this is what you can see with the, uh, uh, with the guests can experience. And um, we are do, doing also a lot of medical training and husbandry training um, just to be sure that um, the animals are fine every day. Um, we are integrating also guests in this training. Um, because it's quite nice. Um, we have a daily update. Um, if everything is okay with the animals, um, get some money in. And uh, of course, um, if a veterinarian has to come because there's something going on, uh, it would be not a new situation for the seals. So we train them by integrating the guests um, that um, foreign people can touch them. Um, and that makes everything much more calm. We don't have to uh, sedate them or to, to keep them with, with many persons um, somewhere silent on, on, the, on the land part. Um, it goes everything or almost everything um, um, through training with the animals. Yeah, and I think it's quite, uh, I really love the concept because it really also highlights, I think I heard at some point that you had like 200,000 people visiting each year. Is that correct? Did I remember that well? Yeah, I, I don't know the actual um, numbers, and then because um, uh, I'm no, I'm just uh, just um, um, uh, a cooperating partner, and the last two years, as almost everywhere in the world, were quite different than all the other yes, years. But course. I think two hundred thousand is a, is a good number. Yes. Yes, so we are recording this uh, in November 2021, and it is indeed yeah. we're still, you know, pandemic and COVID, and so many things yeah. have changed. Uh, but I do remember thinking, wow, 200,000 people and all these people actually, you know, they're willing to pay and come and watch research and watch how you care for animals and learn, uh, which I think is wonderful because, you know, sometimes 
zoos, aquariums, or other facilities might have the idea or say things like, you know, research is not very interesting or educational, you know, presentations yeah. of that kind is not very interesting for people. But I think this, this shows the difference. And in my experience also, when training animals for research and talking around how we care for them, uh, a lot of people love seeing that and there's lots going on. So it's very, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. So, so that's a wonderful, yeah, please go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, this is what we can we could see also uh, in the days where we're still in Cologne Zoo, um, because uh, when something was going on uh, in our facilities with the, with the harvest seals, uh, people were coming and they were just watching what we are doing. So that was not the professional way we do it now in, in Rostock, but um, already in the zoo, um, when something happened, they are interested. No, and this is a, a, a good starting point where you can explain what's going on, where you can um, explain how wonderful these animals are, um, how we could change um, the life of the animals to a better um, by training um, the animals and so on and so forth. Yes, I remember that. I remember seeing those pictures from the Cologne Zoo with all yeah. the people around it in, in those little rows, thick and watching. And uh, yeah, that's definitely also my experience when we were doing all kinds of things with the animals I was caring for, whether they were dolphins or walrus or sea lions or others. Uh, it's interesting for, and people think it's super cool to see animals doing things they're really good at uh, yeah, or that we're trying to find out whether they can do certain things or not. So, um, yeah. And, and at Rostock, we, we have, you know, they, they graciously hosted uh, Professor Guido Denhard and, and, you, and you, you and your team hosted a research training seminar, which is really wonderful. And we could see, you know, the, the seals in training, sea lions. And, but we also saw, you know, the octopi. And uh, so yeah. perhaps you can talk a little bit, you mentioned fishes. So yeah. perhaps you can talk a little bit about the research with the non-mammals. Yeah, um, so in former times, there were also octopuses, uh, which are not there anymore because the projects um, uh, run out after, um, I think, three or four years. Um, we have shortly also a project with penguins, which is um, done now so far, um, but they're still fish as a non-mammal animal. And um, for many people, surprisingly, they are quite cool to train. So they can do um, two alternative force, force choice tasks. Um, they learn even to swim into a little net where you could put, put them out of the water um, and, and many different things. And it's the concept behind this is always the same. Um, just um, show me a good behavior and you, you will get your, your, your treat, for example, for that. And um, they even learn quite fast. So there were fish um, performing a quite complex to alternative force choice task and learning it within, uh, let's say, two weeks. And that's really interesting. So we don't feed just the fish um, to the animals, so to the mammals. We also train um, some kind of fish um it, it's always interesting yes yes so uh, no live fish to the animals and you're no. training live fish and you're feeding dead fish yes absolutely so you were just mentioning a task and uh, you know can you explain us what that task is about what are you asking the fish yeah uh, which is the similar task that you've done perhaps with with the seals and sea lions but what was that task about so different tasks which are run um um uh, or following a special concept like the, the two alternative force choice tasks, uh, where the animal has um, two choices. Uh, for example, a, a round stimuli and a, and a cornered stimuli. And um, you train the animal to distinguish between these two um, stimuli. Um, 
by reinforcing a choice of any swimming or approaching, um, for example, to the round stimulus, uh, you're given food for that. Um, and if he's swimming or approaching um, the corner stimulus, he does not receive food for this behavior. And um, by doing this and, and repeating that all the time, again and again, um, you can train the animal quite easily um, to do a real choice between different stimuli. And that, what was, uh, that was what we were doing with uh, fish and with uh, the seals as well. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, there's all these, you know, terms and terminologies. And yeah. uh, some people listening, you know, they might be like, "Ooh, I would like to, you know, train animals for research or train animals for all kinds of projects. So I'm sure, I mean, we'll obviously put some links with the podcast so people can learn more about your work or get in contact with you and see, of course, the work at in Rostock. So, um, you know, and uh, hopefully in the near future, you know, we're going to be working together again on a on the next yeah. research training seminar. So uh, anybody listening and interested in that, you know, please follow us along and uh, we'll make uh, notes on that uh, out loud for sure. So, you know, talk us a little bit through uh, starting as an animal trainer. You're a very experienced animal trainer and now you you do coaching courses in various places, but how did you start into the field and uh, what were some of, you know, the challenges and, and, uh, and the fun things through that um, development? Yeah, so starting as an animal trainer was pretty much the same than uh, how I got into the animal field uh, because it was the main part of, of the research, at least of the methods for the research. And um, the toughest thing uh, maybe was... Uh, it was even not the patience because sometimes it takes a little bit longer than uh, you expect. The toughest thing was uh, to applicate uh, almost the same theory behind that um, to different animals and to see and to realize that it works really fine. Or maybe even tougher, it was um, that you find your own way and not following um, rules because following rules um, just means that uh, uh, there's no movement forward anymore and there's no um, development anymore. And um, this is what I do now. Uh, it's more developing new things um, with, with customers, with clients. And uh, maybe that was the, the toughest thing of all. Yeah. Yes, it's really about learning the theory. And then, of course, yeah. the, you know, the, they say that the craftsmanships, the art, uh, all of it, uh, the practical skills of yeah. uh, becoming a very good animal trainer for, yeah. you know, whatever, and, and applying that in so many different, because, you know, I've seen work on, you know, how the animals sense things in their environment through hearing and how they feel with the vibrissa and how they, you know, have to do some conceptual, conceptual uh, decision-making. So you constantly have to think as a trainer, okay, how am I going to teach the animals or ask them those questions, right. To try and get those yeah. answers from them. Uh, so I get, yeah, that's, those things are really challenging and they certainly keep you <laughs> quite yeah. active, I'm sure. So perhaps you can uh, talk us through some of the, the work, you know, you've published in a variety of fields. Um, for example, we could start with trail following. What, what was yeah. that about? Uh, so it was about hydrogen trail following. That means everything, or every object um, which is um, traveling through the water uh, causes also disturbances of the water column. And these um, disturbances uh, can last for, for minutes. And um, this is also what fish do, for example. Uh, I did not train fish for that, but it uh, was 
was quite successful in laboratory, but not in an open field. Um, so not in the pool of the of the seals, but um, I used, for example, remote controlled submarines, which were about uh, 50, meet, uh, 50 centimeters long. Um, and the task of the animal was um, uh, to get blindfolded that you can't see uh, and also can't, cannot hear, waiting at a different at a special station. Uh, then the submarine, which was uh, controlled by a, a second person, um, was driving a special far, uh, path, um, for example, straight on, then a right curve. And um, after all motors were switched off, uh, I could take away headphones from the seal that he, because he can't hear anymore the motors. And then his task was um, to use his whiskers um, to get onto the hydrodynamic trail and follow that trail up to the submarine. That was quite impressive. Um, because um, for many people, it's not so so easy to imagine um, because they can't see it. Um, maybe they can imagine it um, uh, sniffing a trail by dogs um, because they can sniff it sometimes as well uh, and, and know how to see. And it's quite, it's not that fast. Uh, you can follow the dog. Um, it's okay. But um, the trail following was really a, a thing which you really could not see. We had no idea um, about that before. And uh, that was a really impressive thing, also for me. Yes, I can imagine. It must be, I mean, we, we know that animals obviously are catching fish and they're eating and so yeah. on, but we don't necessarily stand still or sit still, however you want to say it, to then think about, okay, but how do they actually do this, right? How, how do they catch in the dark, in muddy waters, in, you know, when there's lots of waves and turbulence in the water? How, how do they do this? Um, so it is actually asking those questions and, and using your creativity again, using yeah. on, underwater submarines. I don't know if, is this kind of publicly available somewhere? Can people see this on YouTube? Uh, if they're like, oh, what does that, does that look like? Could they see it somewhere? Uh, no, there's not YouTube link or something like that. Um, it's just in, um, it's even not an open press, but it's published in magazines. Okay. Uh, and there were also sometimes, I haven't seen that on, on YouTube. Um, for example, the BBC made a documentary about that and um, also different channels here in Germany. Um, yeah. Maybe find it. Uh, well, sometimes they, they, um, uh, they replace it again in the program. You can see it after 10 years again. Exactly. And I think those who are really curious, you know, yeah. they, they can always find you and, uh, and yeah. see some, uh, some photos or, or try and track it down. So uh, wonderful. Can you talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, other sorts of hydrodynamic perception and detection? What, what other things have you done uh, to find out how they perceive their worlds? Yeah. So what Guido Denat and his team were already um, stating out was that Animals as the as animals are able to detect water movements and also to follow them. Uh, so my research then was about uh, going more into the detail. So when following a hydrodynamic trail, what happens if uh, the submarine, like fish, sometimes do does not move act, um, active anymore? Also, glide phases. Um, does this have an impact on the trackability of the trail, uh, which? has uh, really an um, uh, impact on the trackability. And then I uh, asked myself and doing some research about uh, on that, if seals are able to distinguish between different sized objects just by means and uh, of the hydrodynamic tray they are um, producing. 
um, beside the, the size, I also was interested in uh, if they can realize which direction an object was um, traveling through the water and um, also if different shaped forms of objects could be distinguished, which is uh, in fact not that easily for seal. They are quite good in uh, distinguishing sizes. Um, they're also quite good in distinguishing direction, the moving direction, but not that good in distinguishing um, different shaped objects. But uh, harbor seals are omnivore, they eat everything, which is easily to catch, and not too small and too big. So, um, so they should know um, something about the si uh, size, um, but um, I think they are not that interested in the species, so um, object shape was not that cool um, in detecting. Right, yeah, so you're trying to really understand why might it be that they are not you know paying attention to this or why it's not really relevant to them or why they will yeah. be yeah and so when you're training these animals to tell you certain things or to indicate through their behavior what what they know or think to know or how they perceive it in what ways do you do that in what ways do you set up the environment so that they can if you like answer those the questions that yeah. you're asking them so first of all everything runs um um with uh, positive reinforcement. That means um, every behavior which is suitable for us to, um, uh, gets reinforced by giving fish. And um, then I split um, the complex behavior you want to have in the end into little parts and train all the little parts and then interconnect them. For example, for train for trail following, if he has to uh, follow the trail of a submarine with uh, blindfolded eyes, um, I first just show him the, the submarine and say, okay, touch it once. And if you do this, you get fish for it. Then uh, I move um, a little bit the, the submarine. So I'm already producing a hydrogen trail, but just half a meter away from the seal. And it's not blindfolded at this time and say, okay, try to touch it and you get fish for it. And then I, I make it every time a little bit more difficult. So the, the distance will be um, bigger. Then he get blindfolded. Then again, by a short distances, he has to touch it and then increase um, the, the distance and also the time where the animal can start and to follow it. And, and that's the way, I just, it's a kind of shaping. I shape a complex behavior by splitting it um, off into little parts and reinforce the behavior for every little successful task he has to do. And then I interconnect everything together um, up to the end um, that we can start with the research. Great. Can you talk to us a bit like about what are some of the hurdles or the difficulties that you encountered or when animals were maybe not um, understanding yeah. it or, you know, uh -huh. what ways, what sort of things did you encounter? Uh, I think the, the biggest thing was uh, breeding time, for example, and molting <laughs> because uh, they are not that motivated during that time. In the, on the other way, um, if, you, if you make really... Um, nice small steps um, to train them. At least the, Henry was really fast in learning that. Difficult, it was, it was always difficult when something about motivation happened, um, that they are not that hungry um, because um, they fed during the night a, a bird which was landing into the pool um, or it was breeding time where they had something different in their mind. Uh, that were the really um, difficult things um, where you can lose always a lot of time. Um, but uh, in the end, this whole thing makes the 
whole work with the animals are just more interesting because they are not robots. You can see they're individuals. Every, every seal and every animal reacts different to special stimuli or to different um, uh, life circumstances. And um, that makes the whole thing just more interesting and even sometimes funny. Yes. So I was going to ask, tell us a little bit about like, you know, the seals and the sea lions, their individual personalities. You know, you were already saying like, you know, some animals were really, Henry was really good at kind of looking at, okay, so how can I get those humans to do what I would like them yeah. to do and so on. So can you tell us a little bit about the individual differences and, and perhaps also how um, you maybe had to modify some of the setups for each individual? Yeah. So within one species, there you can see already differences between the individuals. You, know, you have a really sleepy one, like uh, he's called Sam, uh, which has to uh, has to think maybe two or three times about the situation um, before moving. And then you have someone who's really active and um, uh, like like Henry. And, um, and then you have, um, for example, someone like Luca. So on the paper, it's written that he's a harbor seal, but this behavior is sometimes more like a sea lion, like a California sea lion, because they are much more agitated and running around and looking everywhere and want to see and experience everything. But they are sometimes also a little bit more uh, afraid of new things. Um, uh, it makes the whole thing really interesting. Um, you have to adapt the, the apparatus, for example, because of size differences, of course. So when you have a uh, now there are 200 kilo um, sea lion. Um, you maybe can't not uh, cannot use the whole apparatus like for a hundred kilograms um, harvest seal. Between the individuals of one species, um, we let me think we do not have to adapt the apparatus itself, but sometimes we had to adapt um, the way we train them and the time we need to train them. Yes, and those things are all really important, right? To really look at, you know, how do we set it up and how do we, like you said, everybody is an individual. We all have to yeah. work with them in a way that, you know, because we work with positive reinforcement and really, you know, working together with the animals so that uh, they are enjoying it as much as we do and uh, planning enough time to get all the trials done and everything yeah. else that we need to do. So can you talk to us a little bit how... You know, you have like educational programs when you were yeah. working in Rostock. So what are some of the things that you would do? Swim with the seals, sea lions. What yeah. are things uh, in education did you do? Um, so there were educational um, courses for, for students, for example, where I was involved. Um, then educational TV, um, which was there, uh, where I was involved. Um, then the, the, the touristic part. Um, that we can uh, have close encounters with the tourist um, where we can really show a seal and a sea lion um, really close by. Um, these are educational, but also just touristic things. It's a good mixture, I think. Um, and over that, um, I'm giving courses as, a, uh, as an animal consultant, um, animal training consultant um, with my own um, company with animal and training. Um, where I can give courses um, at the Marine Science Center, but on my own bill. And where uh, people like uh, veterinarians, um, dog trainers, dog owners, um, then from different companies, um, they uh, sometimes send um, their um, 
their trainers or their students um, to me. And um, it's really uh, highly diverse what I do there now, right? Yeah, so you work with all species in all locations from, you know, people who have um, concerns about their dogs or dogs that yeah. are, you know, not feeling well to, you know, working with staff on how to train, you know, the, the animals in the zoo. You do, you know, if people have questions on animal training, they can yeah. hire you to come in as a coach. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So I, I gave already workshops in, in different zoos, like at the Zoom in Gelsenkirchen, Frankfurt, uh, Stuttgart, um, Schwerin, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, but also, um, so these are, let's say, big companies, but also individual um, consultancies, um, like for dog owners, uh, which I had a few year, uh, weeks ago. Um, there was a dog owner. She was really uh, emotionally upset because she had a really difficult dog, uh, which was really aggressive to other dogs whenever he was going out. And um, she was already with three dog trainers and um, behavioral therapists, and they all said um, she has to give away the dog. And she uh, she was close to cry every time when she was out with him. Yeah, really interesting part, um, just observing the animal. And not the animal, not just the animal, but also the owner of the animal. And uh, when you can see, uh, let's say, uh, a little thing which you can... Um, let's say a little bit tune a bit um, and you do it and not only just you but also the, the clients see a little success where you can um, step into this little part and say okay we go on that way and you will see you will have success in the end and you don't have to give away the dog um, that's a really lovely um, work then yes and it's really wonderful I mean just before we started this uh recording you know I talked about it and uh, you mentioned that you know you had only a few sessions with her but you were able to get uh, quite a lot done and that's that's a really important obviously yeah. time you know the time is what the time takes uh, but it also true that especially when people are advised to you know give away the dog yeah. or sometimes you know worse than that people say it's better you know the dog is euthanized we can make a really big big difference by working yeah. with the animals and and the people that care for them um, and and even get lots of results in a, in a brief period of time right yeah that's right so um in this case it was also like that uh, first she was really motivated uh, she was there for holidays and so we just had really four sessions um, we could run uh, but she was really motivated and uh, it was really like this that no one of them not the dog and not her were really knowing uh, what the other wants from from the other so um, the dog did not um, know anymore what she has to do um, because she was also really really, really um, uh, uncertain of what to do and um, she was stressed and um, there was just we could start a really uh, let's say technically highly um, uh, session um, and um, training work um, but I, I just have chosen that the easiest thing we could do is just a, a signal where the dog has to look at the owner whenever and every time she wants it and he wanted to look at her because he was doing that also in the situations where it was really aggressive and um, it was a really really small step um, they were doing um, but the success was really really high in the end yes the animal is really looking for yeah. guidance for feedback for you know and and perhaps reacting in 
in an aggressive manner because you know he didn't know what to do or where to go or what would happen and yeah. looking for that feedback and and uh, like you say you can make it very complicated or you can really look at what is it that the animal um, is asking for or needing and what yeah. is the person and how can I connect the two and, and it could be as yeah. as profounded you know look at each other yeah. and so focus the, on each other yeah yeah so the thing is they, they they both stuck into the situation. They didn't know what to do anymore. And uh, it was really just a, a, an easy way out. And why using a, a complicated way out when you could, even when the, the success was maybe not that big with, a, with the other type of training, but um, you had to find the star, also the lady and the dog. And, and that's the whole part. Yes, both getting more security, more yeah. uh, safety, feeling more connected. Uh, to then you know go forward so that those are the really important you know stories of how you and others working in the fields that you are uh, can make a difference for people and animals uh, even in a short period of time and so perhaps you can talk to us a little bit more about like you obviously talk about training and behavior and research with quite specifics but uh, can you talk to, you know, training in the broader, the bird's eye view in animal care and welfare programs in general? So to me, it's a, a, a part, a big part um, that animals, most humans, um, are somehow, they have to do something simply. Uh, it's not that they're just lying around and do nothing and um, you're getting uh, depressive maybe even by this or your, your development stereotypic behavior. Um, you really have to be forced to do something sometimes, forced in a, in a, in a positive way. Um, so you have to move yourself. You have to earn, for example, your, your food, or you have to, to uh, do something to go to a rest place again, um, whatever. Um, because um, all these little challenges keeps your mind going and your muscles going, and you're training your mind, you're training your, um, your muscles. And um, that's really important um, to me because uh, we all know the stereotypic behavior of, of, of many animals, also in zoos in former times, which is getting really better now, uh, waving their heads um, or running always in a circle or um, doing strange movements with their heads. And um, you can really, and there are all nice um, scientific paper, you can decrease these behaviors really drastically when you um, give um, a really good adapted um, environmental enrichment, but also uh, really good adapted animal training you can offer them. So to me, it's really um, one big thing, not the only thing, but one big thing uh, where you can increase animal welfare really, really good. Yes, no, absolutely. So you, you really talk about, you know, you can train the animals to participate in their care, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, but you're looking at animal learning from the broadest perspective and really considering, you know, whether you like it or not, they are learning things, they're being, they're trained uh, formally and informally. And so for you to, for us to really become attentive to all those aspects and yeah. that uh, the good things can be learned um, and, and bad uh, things or bad in the sense like undesirable for the animals can also be learned through all kinds of routines and other contingencies, other connections and reinforcements. Um, yeah, that's, that's really great um, feedback. I mean, so, it's the same for us. <laughs> Yes. Uh, we are doing sports. We are challenging ourselves. We're doing sports or we, we are reading something, uh, a, difficult, a difficult book or we, whatever. 
uh, we challenge ourselves as well. And if we don't do that, um, we get really bored and sometimes even depressed. Um, yes. So, yeah, what I hear you saying is that uh, human human beings, humans as animals, we need to uh, say, they, they often say, you know, happy people have projects. Right. Uh, yeah. So we need to challenge our body. We need to challenge our mind, our heart, our soul, uh, you know, connecting to others, uh, spirituality in whatever way that means to you and being busy, physically busy in the world. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, and a little bit of boredom. Uh, here and there, perhaps to uh, spark creativity yeah. or uh, or just, you know, not fill our minds with stuff all the time so we can't hear ourselves think yeah. or feel. Yeah. 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 And, and being successful um, within a, a difficult challenge, uh, it makes us happy. Yes, absolutely. Especially the things that... Um, you know, where, where it's just outside our comfort zone, right? It is yeah, challenging, yeah. but it's not on, it's not like you like, okay, I can't solve this. And this is yeah. what you meant also when you said, you know, breaking it down in these small steps so that it's challenging, but it's, they can solve it. They can try and get there uh, and, and you can be, you can reward them or, or we can be rewarded for, yeah. for getting, for getting yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So yes. for, for me, example, I'm doing skydiving. And I, I'm freaking afraid whenever there's a bigger break between uh, the jumps or the weekends, I could um, uh, do it. Um, I'm freaking afraid of it. Um, but it feels way more intensive uh, when you do it anyway. And uh, you have a good time and you have good landing and um, you're just happy afterwards. <laughs> that is so great. I I am terrified of the idea of going skydiving. And, but it is true that they say you should do what you fear, right? You should lean into the fears, and just yeah. kind of bring it on. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to overcome it. And you're going to feel so much better. So, yeah, I, I probably need a little bit more encouragement. But at some point, I, I probably would have to try it because, yeah, otherwise I'm always going to be like, ooh, that is really <laughs> scary. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some of your pictures um, of when when you've been, uh, you know, skydiving and uh, I, I've and, you know, other friends of mine do paragliding and yeah. all that stuff. And I'm always pretty in awe because I think it's pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, those things are, are a little scary. But I guess that's normal. It's true, right? I mean, the human animal was not really, yeah, <laughs> we haven't really evolved to fly in that sense. So it is pretty terrifying. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but, and, yeah. And back to the animal field, uh, to me, uh, the biggest challenge are goats, for example. Um, ah, okay, why is I that? I think um, it has to be a reason, or there has to be a reason why, um, you know, the devil was always uh, painted like a goat with the special eyes and uh, with the hooves and um, uh, also with a tail. Um, it has to be a reason for, for doing that like this. And um, to me, they're kind of spooky. I don't know why. Oh no! Okay, <laughs> I love goats. I thought you were gonna tell us a story about that you find them, you know, because they're like so jumping and active. You find no, them challenging. Okay. It's more yeah. like looking at them. You mean? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they have. And oh, that was, okay. was a big thing because um, we were doing a, a kind of documentary, and um, uh, the idea of them was um, just to do an interview in the middle of of. of I think 20 goats around. <laughs> yeah, that was really, really nice today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So this is, it's really great. I love these. That's why, you know, I can do podcasts all day long. It's like these conversations and, you know, skydiving is not as scary as, as goats. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well noted. So, um, yeah, so, you know, perhaps we could talk a little bit about uh, research training seminars that uh, yeah. that we've done together. And, uh, and of course, you know, we cannot forget, um, you know, the, the University of Southern Denmark, you know, Dr. Kirsten yeah. Hansen Andersen and, and Maunus Wahlberg and so many other, you know, people that we yeah. all come together. Really and, nice uh, we, meetings every time. Yes, we have all these wonderful meetings on uh, training animals for research. And uh, perhaps you can you give us some glimpses of uh, how it was when we when we did this in Rostock. Yeah. So, so first, um, the funny thing was, I remember you've been visiting the Marine Science Center in Rostock, I think, 10 or even 12 years ago, uh, because you always wanted to have Guido Denat for a talk. Uh, and in the, in the end, you just got me. <laughs> and this, <laughs> yes. This is where I was. Not started. just, but uh, I'm very happy <laughs> that you did the talk and or helped organizing. Yeah. And um, uh, so in Russia, it was really um, on the research. It's not really research vessel, but it's on the ship which was lying in the harbor um, where uh, people from from I think it was four or five different countries of Europe can come together. Uh, um, exchanging experiences and um, giving some talks, um, uh, having a good time together and um, connecting with each other, which is um, even more important the talks uh, in my view. And um, um, we were able there also to go down to, to the animals, have some um, animal training sessions. Um, and uh, I think it was really nice. Two days, two days, yes. Yes, no, it was really nice. And uh, it was also, you know, we had another one uh, at the University of Southern Denmark, you yeah. know, where we had um, wonderful interactions. And then um, we had also one online, right? Because then, of course, uh, yeah. with the COVID pandemic and everything, there was this question, so we continue or not. But uh, we hope every, you know, two, three years to um, do a sort of seminar of this kind where indeed, like you say, there is presentations about, you know, how do you train animals for research? What are some of the things that you have to really be careful about when you try not to answer, you know, the questions yeah. that you're asking and, and things like that and overcoming? Because, you know, while training can be similar in the sense of breaking it down in small steps, uh, yeah. Some aspects of research training are quite different from training, perhaps for a presentation. So there's lots of these. And then there's, of course, the problem solving uh, sections and indeed the talking together and sharing yeah. experiences. And, and of course, which is really lovely, you know, going down to seeing the seals, meeting the seals and the sea lions and seeing them do the research. Uh, that was really, really great. So, yeah, and uh, hope, you know, one day, um, I hope Professor Guido Denhardt will uh, will come and do a webinar or talk, but uh, I know he's very busy and I'm really glad um, he hosted, you know, and uh, and that you and I got to connect with the rest of the staff there, which yeah. who were all wonderful. So, yeah, really cool. So, you know, you already talked a little bit about your company and, yeah. you know, working with zoos and companion animal um people but you also you know do work for ATN can you talk what is this organization about and what are the great things that they're doing and why would people want to check out the courses and the other information that they yeah. offer so it's a kind of a, a kind of online university not real university but um, it's a educative um, company and um, where 
everybody can um, sign in who's interested in, in animal training, animal keeping, and uh, also um, special uses like for, um, you know, diabetic signal um, dogs uh, and so on and so forth. And um, this is almost everything is online. I, for example, I wrote for them um, different books, electronic books, um, where the students can sign in, uh, read the books and learn with the books and work also with the books because there are also questions in it. And um, then we have uh, special meetings um, for each book. I make a meeting with the, with the students um, to uh, also interconnect with each other, but also um, to discuss um, special issues um, of uh, animal training and um, also some challenges and also some big advantages um, uh, and also the, the topics of the uh, electronic books are always discussed in these open um, discussions um, in the meetings. Um, so, um, yeah. moreover, is it in German or is it in English? Can people? It's usually in English, uh, in, in German, sorry. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it's a company from Switzerland and um, it's, I think, in the German speaking area, um, uh, the most. Um, successful and biggest company um, for, for animal training or giving courses for animal training online. So people are there. Um, some people are there. They were migrating to, to Canada, to, I think, Indonesia. There was one guy. Um, and then Netherlands, um, Germany, Switzerland, Austria, uh, some in England. Um, it's really highly diverse. And the students are also diverse as well. So there are, for example, there was a doctor in neurobiology um, who was in the courses as a student, um, as well as um, some guys um, who stopped um, school with 16 years, which was already 30 years ago, and they want to have a second car career, and now they are starting to, to learn it uh, again. Um, so that's also really um, intense, but interesting um, that you have to adapt the way you are teaching to all of these um, guys and uh, that everybody can understand and follow the whole thing. Yes, wonderful. And so we'll definitely put a link so that people who are interested in, because they yeah, have great. all kinds of different uh, animal related courses, including, you know, full degree and, and animal training so that people can uh, go and learn more there and, um, and perhaps sign up if you're German yeah. speaking. And uh, perhaps you can talk to us a little bit about uh, the event next year that uh, that you're organizing, which I believe is through the same organization. Yeah, uh, so there are different events. Um, we try to make also some uh, practical courses uh, with the ATN, but um, uh, you know, with Corona, it was always a little bit tricky because we want to have uh, to have it in a zoo, and the zoos are uh, open mind for it. At least the zoos, uh, the zoo um, we are talking with. Um, it's a little zoo in uh, Hof in Bavaria, and um, but you know that the cities and the government said, okay, um, there are no th third persons um, behind the scenes now, and so on and so forth. But um, I think next year we can start again with that. Uh, then I will have um, different projects. Um, I'm invited for different conferences. Um, most of them are, are related to, to dog training. I think it's still the biggest market. <laughs> Um, and then we'll see. Um, I cannot plan, unfortunately, um, courses on uh, with the seals of the Marine Science Center because this is connected to the University of Rostock and uh, Rostock um, has really highly rules which, is, uh, which are 
connected to Corona. So there's no possibility right now to have um, students on board, um, but we'll see what next year will bring. Yes, it is all, you know, trying to find out what can we do. I mean, some, some of, yeah. of course, I think all of us hoped things would be different, but we are moving things still into the digital sphere um, because we just don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that all kinds of things are continuing in one way or another, uh, either in person or online. So we are, you know, continuing to work for animals and um, and for the people who want to keep learning, of course. So yeah, um, yeah that's So, so I'm really happy that everything, or many things are, um, are really possible when you go online. Um, but on the end of the day, I'm, I'm really looking forward to meet people really in, in real again. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm, we are, you know, talking about the next research uh, seminar and we hope, you know, to go back to the, to the University of Southern Denmark and, you know, with, with friends and getting together and yeah. hopefully you can be there and many others. Uh, but yeah, we, I think we can all, I certainly cannot wait to see, you know, some of my family and friends and yeah, colleagues again and, and just have meetings and uh, hang out together. So, yeah. um, and be with the animals. Be, I, like I haven't been to a zoo yeah. or an aquarium or sanctuary um, since March, 2020. So I'm yep, exactly. really animal, animal deprived if that's a state you can be in, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so I can't wait to see it's, them again. I think it's now, um, no, I was once in, 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 in Hof at the zoo in Hof um, for a course and, and for doing some recordings there for a little documentary. And I next month, beginning of next month, I will be at a rehabilitation center for, for seals uh, in uh, the North uh, Sea in, in Germany. But that's all. Two of these um, um, throughout the last two years. It, it, it's really not much. No, that's the reason yeah. why I'm looking so much forward to these things. Oh, me too, me too, for sure. Yeah. So perhaps I don't know if you have any other animal training or any other stories you want to share. Uh, otherwise, perhaps you could conclude with um, a story, one of your favorite stories, maybe of you with an animal or a research outcome or something else. Yeah. Um... In fact, this has nothing to do with, with animal training, um, but it was simply uh, uh, just a really amazing thing um, on, on Borneo. I mean, I've been there uh, for holidays um, to see the orangutans. Uh, you know, there were rehabilitation centers, which are not, most of them are not running anymore because uh, there's no money from the state um, anymore. And um, they still have kind of feeding stations where the animals can decide to, to, to come to have some bananas or something like that. And um, it is, I think, one of the most impressive things to have a big male just in front of you uh, trying to mate uh, a female, which were not willing to do it and was just going away. And he was, yeah, uh, kind of angry. And he, he just broke down a really big tree just by his hands hanging at the roots with one hand and then grabbing the, the tree with the other hand and just, uh, it was just making crash and, and he just, the, the, the tree was just falling over. Yeah, okay. I can imagine that must be really impressive uh, to see. And, and some, and it's important, right? We have all kinds of experiences with animals, whether they are in human care or whether they're in the wild or in some, you know, 
place in between, if you like, um, because of course some of these animals get re you know reintroduced back into the wild. But to see them so up close and to just see how strong they are, that must have been amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah, can imagine. Yeah. So that's another place I would love to visit one day, Borneo. I've I've never been there, but it's um, it's it's supposed to be absolutely magical. It is. Yeah. Definitely. Also on the ocean around, um, really, if you want to see manta rays and sharks, um, yeah, it's a place to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the, that's the really great thing, right? About uh, when we care for animals or you know work for them, and um, whether it's in a zoo or an aquarium or seeing them out in the wild, it's it's just amazing to be yeah. part of their worlds in one way or, an, or another. So. Thanks so much, Sven, for coming on to the podcast. Really delighted. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, looking forward to meeting up and, and talking about animals and research and more. So thanks so much and looking forward. Have a great time. Thank you very much again. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. So that was another podcast. Wonderful. Talking about animal training and animal behavior and lots of you know aspects of research. So thanks so much, Sven, again. And of course, if you are a listener of the podcast, thank you so much for taking your time. And if you know you have ideas on topics or people that you would love to hear about, just you know, send us a short message and we look forward to hopefully making that happen for you. And at Animal Concepts, we help you care for animals and for yourself to be at your best to achieve excellence in animal care and welfare. And we, of course, also hope to support you in other goals that you may have, such as conservation, education, and research. And PAUSE is the first online platform combining human and animal well-being science and practice, where you can get continued personal education and resources so you and the animals can flourish. So if you feel inspired, follow the link in the podcast description to become a member today.